Welcome back to Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ live on remote here at the Carolina Ale House. Remember, it's the Concord location. Don't go to the other locations if you want to hang out with us. You can if that's closer and you want to get your Carolina Ale House on, that's fine. But if you want to see us, you need to come to the one right next to Concord Mills. They've got great specials. I just talked about them. The 12 wings and the pitcher for 25 bucks is the one that's speaking to me. So that might be something I might be doing after the show is over and done with. And indulging on some of the bar food, a part of fire or fizzle. Now, we'll go to the text line. We'll get to the people that either agree or disagree. Brian was saying, you can't hate on fried cheese. <laughs> Nine, uh, 803 number said, I don't trust a man that doesn't like a Preach. burger. That is to flounder. That's a whole fact. Yeah, that's a that's a whole fact to flounder. <laughs> Over there, I believe he's in the studio hanging out. He's going to be down here at Carolina Ale House a little bit later on as well. 980 number agreed with you, though. They said there's too much variance in the quality of mozzarella sticks for them to be fire. I agree with Wes. He brought the science. He brought the facts as well yeah. behind mozzarella sticks. Yeah. I think I'm with you if you're talking about what is the lowest on the hierarchy of the foods that you mentioned. Yeah. I would pr- if I had you know the let one go game. Mm-hmm. I think mozzarella sticks. Would yeah, it prob- would have to be. It would probably be the one to go because I'm not going to give up tacos, nachos, chicken wings, or burgers. Right. If it was the other four, this is a good question. This is us going straight from the top of the dome. Tacos, nachos, burgers, chicken wings, mm-hmm. all fire, according to Wes Bryant. But you have to get rid of one of them. Which one are you getting rid of? One got to go. Tacos, nachos, burgers, chicken wings. Which one is leaving? Tacos. Really? Yeah. Because I love nachos. Like I said, I I mean, those are like, put them in front of me. Yeah, nachos are number gonna one. I'm going to eat any amount of them. Burgers are one of my three favorite foods, period, entrees. And then chicken wings is also one of my three favorite foods. I love all these foods. I just want to preface this take by okay. saying I love all of these foods. <laughs> okay. And I'm glad I don't have to get rid of so any of them. bad's coming. Yeah, for you. Burgers are going to be the one that goes for me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to pick a burger over chicken wings nachos or tacos i'll put mozzarella sticks out before burgers but burgers are the one that has to go i could see like okay if we're sitting at a table and we have all of them out there because when i used to do my old food and sports show west got range we would get food and we would get a plethora of entrees right Mm -hmm. so when you get the burgers and you have a whole lot of different other entrees on the table, you do tend to cut the burger and, you know, you're going to cut it into pieces and share it because you're not going to like if, Which if is, I'm sitting there by myself, the purpose, right. if you're sitting there by yourself, you could maybe eat a taco and a few chicken wings and some nachos together like they pair well as far as a grouping. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see that because a burger is going to fill you up. Uh, it's going to, you know, it's going to set you back a little bit. So, okay, plus I'm just a chicken sandwich guy, too. Love chicken sandwiches. So I couldn't get rid rid of the chicken sandwich. Uh, 857 number said, y'all going to hang out after the show. Don't get off work until 3 p.m. Yes, we will be. West for a little while. I'll probably be hanging out a little longer. We've got plenty of people over here, so come hang out and watch the NCAA tournament. Um, One other thing before we move on. I know Fitty pretty well. You know Fitty pretty well, what he's about, what gets him going. And I know that he also pays attention to the text line. Fitty, how hard did you laugh at the 704 text message that came in and said, I've played the let one go game, but the whole room cleared out. Are you still laughing at that because of your your immature humor? Uh, You know, (laughs) I actually am just now seeing this, but I will tell you guys this. If y'all would have been in the studio about 15 minutes ago, y'all would have cleared the room. 
Oh, sick. I'm so glad I'm not there right now. 704-570-9610. Look at that cackle, too. There, he does a really great creepy laugh. Yeah. And it's like it's like a machine gun. It's like bang, bang, bang all in like half a second of all creepiness. That's what our Especially producer Especially what is. you know with, with his eating habits. It's oh, like yeah. a, you know, just steam coming off of garbage. <laughs> You're all sick. I don't want to talk about Not here at the <laughs> alehouse, man. Field. Not here at the alehouse. Let's move on. Let's talk a little bit more about about the Panthers offseason, what they've done through free agency at this point. I want to go back to the quarterback room. All right. Because one of the moves a lot of people like is the fact that Andy Dalton was signed as a backup QB. Mm -hmm. And honestly, give yourselves a round of applause, Panthers fans. Okay. I think for the most part, nobody reacted too crazy with this Andy Dalton signing. I think everyone understood, right? You saw some people out there on Twitter, oh, here we go again, retread QB, what yeah. are we doing? But I don't think we saw any craziness. Most people understood. Because that number one pick is in tow. Right, right. And even if you didn't trade for the number one pick, I don't think that would have had me scared because you're still probably going to do something. I, you would have been scared? If they I didn't think make if you're a Panthers pick? fan, if they stayed at number nine, then I think there would be cause for concern. Oh, no. Because if you don't get your guy, because these quarterbacks are skyrocketing up, the workouts are only going to continue to make them skyrocket. You're going to get teams that are going to be aggressive uh, in trading up for quarterbacks. So then you start to fall into the situation that all four of the guys could be gone by that nice selection. And then you end up picking an, uh, a pass rusher or a wide receiver, and then you trot out Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback in 2023. That's what nightmares look like. After Kenny Bridgewater, <laughs> after Baker Mayfield, yeah. that's what nightmares look like. But, again, I'm giving everyone credit. Nobody overreacted once they decided to go after Andy Dalton. But what do you think about this quarterback room overall, Wes? Mm -hmm. Because P.J. Walker, we got news yesterday that they were not going to bring him back. And, in fact, not too long after that, P.J. Walker followed D.J. Moore to Chicago. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be in the quarterback room along with Justin Fields. What the QB room looks like here in Charlotte, the number one overall pick, who knows who that's going to be right now? Andy Dalton. You also have Matt Corral. Remember, Sam Darnold is with your team out there in San Francisco. How do you like it also bringing in the number one overall pick? Uh, I think it's, it, it's solid, and that's why we beg the question, you know, where does this leave Matt Corral? Will this guy ever get a chance? You're talking about a third-round pick, which in the eyes of many pro scouts is a premium uh, draft selection. And now this guy looks like he's not even going to get a chance just by default unless there is injury because you know what the number one pick is going to be if the Panthers stay there. And even if they move down, they're still going to pick uh, a quarterback that selection. Now, Andy Dalton, you're not going to pay him what you paid him. And with his reputation, you're not bringing him in to be the third-string quarterback. So Matt Corral is looking at a default. No matter what you do, you're here outside of injury. You're going to be the number three quarterback. I don't think he ever gets a chance here in Carolina. Well, especially with a young QB on board. I mean, it, the only reason you would give him a chance is if you had two injuries. And yeah. we saw San Francisco go through that, I guess. It's not impossible. Yeah. But you're never going to give him the shot over Andy Dalton, who is your backup QB now. And you're not going to give him a shot over the number one overall pick in the draft. But if I had to choose a word to describe how the quarterback room looks, uh, I would say promising. Uh, very much so. This is uh, your best quarterback room since you had an MVP in it. Uh, you're talking about a guy that's going to to bring the hope 
to the franchise, a guy that's going to bring hope to this fan base. So he's there. Everybody's going to want to see. Like, this gives you reason to watch preseason games, okay? Yeah, no, no doubt Andy about it, Dalton, 100%. There's no reason to watch a Panthers preseason game if Andy Dalton's going to be your starting quarterback. But now, with this rookie, it's going to be must-see TV, not only for the Panthers fans, but for NFL Nation in general. They're going to be one of the lead-off highlights on SportsCenter when they come out because everybody wants to see what the number one pick is going to do. So I think that this room looks very promising when you talk about a potential franchise quarterback sitting in there. Then you talk about uh, one of the better backups in the NFL. I would say Andy Dalton's for sure top five backup. And then you talk about Matt Corral, a guy that, you know, if all else fails, He's still a guy that you look at as having potential because he hasn't gotten a chance yet to go out and show what he can do. Well, and, and I wonder, too, just with all the injuries that Carolina suffered at QB this past season, does that give them incentive to keep three quarterbacks? Because we have seen reports about their possible intrigue in trading Matt Corral, who might bring in something nice. I mean, at the end of the day, he was a third-round pick as a QB. Panthers traded up for him, and so maybe you could try to salvage some of your sunk costs by giving him to a different team in exchange for an asset. Who knows? But we'll see exactly what happens there. I wonder if they are going to keep three QBs with all the injuries they suffered. You bring up the intrigue in preseason. I do go back to 2011 when Cam Newton was drafted. Man, it feels like a microscope was on everything he did yeah. in the preseason. And I always go back to, I think it might have been the third preseason game, maybe first or second, I don't know. It could have been any of them. But the one that he kind of threaded the needle to Greg Olson over on the left, it was a deeper pass. I don't know if anybody else remembers that out there or if it's just me. I just remember being so excited to see the Heisman Trophy winner suit up in a Carolina Panther uniform and actually look decent in preseason. And then we got the first two games, Wes. Mm -hmm. And each of those games, he threw for over 400 yards. It was crazy. Yeah, and so every throw, every gesture, every mannerism, every time they get upset, it's going to be magnificent. Magnified, but that makes it exciting. You want a reason to watch preseason football, and now for the Panthers, like I said, uh, you have one. So I think the room looks good. And so now we can turn the page because they've had some of the free agent signings as well. We haven't really gotten to Deshaun Williams yet. That's right. Uh, they picked him up as well. Then you talk about coming off the heels of signing Shy Tuttle. And so we see... And I know, Walker, you talk about how uh, the Panthers are going to run uh, you know, multiple. multiple fronts. But from everything you read, everybody talks about the 3-4 from Ezra Evero, and that's going to be the base of this defense. And by the moves that they're making, you see this. Because right now, what I envision uh, with the guys they brought in, Deshaun Williams, who started uh, 15 games for the Broncos last season, this is going to be one of your five technique defensive ends in that 3-4. Side Tuttle looks to be uh, the nose guard in this 3-4. Uh, and then you talk about Derek Brown is going to be your other five technique uh, defensive end in this defense. So you have three, the three big bodies that you're looking for. You secured uh, Shaq Thompson to be back in the middle of this defense. You've got Frankie Louvu that you will put on one side, and then you have Brian Burns who's going to make the transition to standing up and rushing, which he does a lot anyway. Now you need to fill that space of the other linebacker, and then you've brought in Von Bell, who 
looks to give you freedom with Jeremy Chen to be able to have that Troy Palomalu-like role. And I'm not throwing any shade here, but we know that the Steelers, a 3-4 has been the staple uh, of their franchise forever. And Troy Palomalu was a part of that defense running all over the place because when you look at the bases, I mean, Coach Evero said that the 3-4 allows the defense to disguise a fourth potential pass rusher, giving the unit an edge. And so now on that down, we know Brian Burns is going to be coming a lot. Uh, then you have your three guys up front, and then will Frankie Lou will be coming? Will it be Shaq Thompson? Will it be Jeremy Chen? Now, as far as this Deshaun Williams signing, you know, it's cool when you look at it on the surface. You know, the stats don't blow you away. You know, 34 starts in 50 games. Interception with four and a half sacks. But he was on a pretty good Denver defense. And also you look at, you know, the grades from an analytical standpoint, 55.4 defensive grade. That's 85th in all of football. 51 rush defense grade. 57 pass rush grade. So what that tells me is space eater. That's what that tells me. If this guy started 34 out of an eligible 50 games and he only has an interception and four and a half sacks, that tells me that they're telling him, young man, you go in there and just give the offensive line a hard time, st stack up bodies, uh, take up bodies so those linebackers can make plays. So to get to the crux of this <laughs> question, after I've gone through all of that, there you go. Man. I would say that the building process of this 3-4 has been pretty solid so far. Okay. I think they brought back some key guys and they're starting to get the type of bodies that they need. That is a dissection unlike any other you will get from one former offensive lineman, Wes Bryant, <laughs> talking about an odd man front and the moves they made to yeah. help solidify that. Two questions. One, you seem lukewarm on both of these signings, and mm -hmm. I agree with that. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm cool, you yeah. know, with both of these. Yeah. And so I know we've had the offseason stuff. Like, does it – how much does it stop the momentum? Because to me, I don't think it stops it at all. No. Like, even with us being lukewarm, and even with me not saying it's the best of all time, it doesn't mean that I'm stopping the momentum. This is still a very, very strong offseason that the Carolina Panthers have had, and that's why people are rightfully so really excited about this upcoming season. Well – in a 3-4, the stars are not going to be the front guys, right. even though you've got one in Derrick Brown. I think he has the potential to uh, continue to wreck shop as he has. But your stars on the defense are going to continue to be Shaq Thompson. It's going to be Brian Burns, Frankie Louvu. Uh, Frankie Louvu and Brian Burns uh, each, you know, Louvu had seven sacks and Burns had 12. And so when you talk about uh, what these guys bring to the table, those are your stars there. Then you bring in a Von Bell, who we know is a, uh, a good run right. stuffer. And then, like I said, Jeremy Chen looks to get back to his uh, role that Panther fans love best for him. So the optimum of what you want, folks, in a 3-4 at the defensive end is a Chris Long. Chris Long was a okay. monster at Virginia at the 3-4 defensive end, fighting off two blockers but still getting double-digit sacks. That's what you want. I think Derrick Brown has the potential to get you seven to nine sacks uh, from that 3-4 defensive end. All right, speaking of Virginia, they're up 50-38 to 38 on Furman, that 4-13 coming back. Up. Yeah, Terps are now tied with West Virginia. Seven minutes to go exactly, 54 apiece in the 8-9 matchup. So that is going to be a fun one as it comes down Missouri's to the wire. Missouri's gotten going 26-21 uh, over you. 
Utah State, and then Kansas is uh, battling with Howard right now. Howard's off that adrenaline uh, thus far. I would love to see Howard win that game. That would be <laughs> phenomenal. Howard getting the win. Virginia. Six, do you ever think we'll see a 16 be the one again? I mean, I think so. Well, that was that was the thing even before it happened. So many people were saying eventually it will take place, and then it did. That goes to the story you were asking me before we hopped on the mic. Didn't you say you were in the Spectrum I Center? I was in the center for that game. So you watched it. to finish. You watched it. I did not. It was I, unbelievable. I, I left. I because left. you know you think that when a team comes out like that, you're like, yeah, they're playing off adrenaline. They're excited to be playing in the Well, I left before seat. that, to be honest. But. Yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> you're like, you know, they're excited to be playing the number one seed. Mm -hmm. But they just kept making shot after shot after shot. I and mean, you get to halftime, and you're like, all right, Tony Bennett will chew them out, and they'll come out this second half and blow them to smithereens. And that first five, six minutes, man, UMBC just kept coming. I said, oh, my God, this could happen. Well, then they separate. I mean, they blew them out. They, it was yeah. like a 20-point game. That's my number one March Madness memory. I still have the game program. Uh, I'll never forget that game as long as I live. What a great question by you, radio host Wes Bryant, to take us into the last couple of segments. <laughs> Text us your favorite NCAA tournament memory. Yes. He'll come by the Carolina Alehouse and talk to us about it. It's the Concord Mills location right here watching the NCAA tournament. We're going to be here for a while longer, and so we'll be uh, doing that with this Maryland-West Virginia game tied at 56 apiece now. We'll keep you updated on everything taking place with March Madness. It's Wes and Walker at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're back. Wesson Walkers, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the Garage Door Guru text line. There we go. 0-4-5-7-0-90-6-10. Just to tell people what happened, I picked up the wrong headset that was right in front of me, and that's why you could hear yeah, me in the because background. Because we got up to go greet fans. That's we what did. we do. That, that's what we did. Hey, Fiddy, I'm going to tell you right now. You keep playing that just for me. Okay, you don't play it for Wes because you're scared. I'm going to give you something to be scared about. I'm going to give you something to be scared about. You keep sending it to me. Then he comes down here with chicken wings. I'm going to throw him right at his face. Yeah, That's what's man. going down. That's what's going to happen here on Wesley hey. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 yeah, so WFNZ. We, we got up to greet the fans and say what's up to a couple of them who are uh, avid listeners. So you guys need to come down here. We're here live at the Carolina Ale House in Concord, right by Concord well, Mills. These you can't are, miss it. These are our kind of people because what they did was they said, Wes and Walker, we're sitting right in front of you, so they're in the booth right in front of us. They said, I think I'm going to take your suggestion on the pitcher and the 12 wings, except me and my son are going to double it. Mm. And those are my kind of people. Okay. And I appreciate all of that here at Carolina Ale House. Right next to Concord Mills. We and one time for the father-son uh, quality time. That's man. right. Yes, they were very much a fan of you talking about your father-son experiences. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that'll be me and Bryce one day. Yeah, that will be. That will be. Are you guys going to do that? Is that that's yeah. something you guys will do. Yeah, yeah. Me and Bryce definitely share love of, of food and things like that. And, and the sport. Yeah, man. And having that closeness, man, hanging out, eating. We, we already do that now. And that's something we're never going to give up that tradition. The guys night. That's what we call it. Guys all right. night. All right. Well, we, we've got some awesome games to watch yes. here. 
Virginia Furman. Furman started to come back. There was actually a 12-point lead, I think, for the Cavaliers at one point. And then Furman was able to go on an 8-0 run. Yeah, now I think I, now it's 10-2. So there you go. So a 10-2 run with Virginia still on top, but Furman making that a game. Yeah. And West Virginia-Maryland going down to the wire. The first game of the day, 3.30 left wow. to go in the second half. Oh. Maryland 61-59. to Maryland is up on Did top right now. Well, yeah, I... I'm looking at the scores. What you got for us, Wes? <laughs> well, the play was crazy. They did. Maryland did an inbounds pass. They got threw it up high. It got tipped literally about five or six times between West Virginia and Maryland guys, to which the Maryland guy caught it at the three-point line and then threw a sick pass to a wide-open player under the basket who got a dunk. That was wild. So so Maryland up again. Two right now. 61-59, 3-30. Virginia up against Furman, 52-48. Again, that's a 4-13. Furman looking to pull off uh, the upset. Let's Let's go with the tourney memories, the best memories that people have ever had. 201, throwing shade. Sorry to Fitty. 201 saying when UNC won the Natty in 2002. Oh, wait. That ain't going to happen <laughs> with North Carolina winning the championship in 2022. Yeah. At least they won against Duke in the Final Four. Did you have any other ones? I know Virginia oh, losing man, so to many. UMBC. I think my favorite tournament memory, that Illinois-North Carolina game for me, like, that was a heavy hitter matchup. Mm. I believe they were the number one and number two overall seed in the tournament, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think that's right. And when those two met in the tourney, North Carolina got the big lead. They relinquished it. Illinois came back. And then I think it was Rashad McCants who was mm -hmm. able to hit a three to help them win that championship. That 05 game just continued to breed my love of uh, college basketball. So that's one. I'll tell you another one, too. That mm -hmm. Illinois run against mm -hmm. Arizona. The Fighting Illini, they yeah. come back against uh, that team. They had, like, Samir Stoudemire. Mm -hmm. They had Hassan Adams, that Arizona team. When, when Arizona relinquished that 20-point lead to Illinois, that's one of my favorite memories, too. Do you have well, any other ones? Yeah, uh, when Chris Jenkins hit the shot. Yeah, I knew that North was Carolina. coming, too. I uh, shouldn't have set him up. That would probably be number two uh, for me. Uh, <laughs> you're talking about some of the great plays uh, from the tournament. Carmelo's run comes to mind. Yes, that's a great favorite tournament one. moments. Even though the championship game, I mean, it wasn't fantastic, but seeing him uh, get the job done. Then you talk about, um, uh, what was the other one I was going to say? Well, that Carmelo Anthony run, just real quickly, like that was the, the only time Jim Bayheim wins a championship, mm -hmm. and I, I, you've kind of been looking for that one and done type of hey, just hop on my back and we'll go to the title. Yeah. And there's been so many different opportunities because of the one and done era, yeah. Wes. But what comes to mind as far as the the freshman that does that, right? Yeah. Like we go to Kemba, we go to Shabazz, we have the two guards that do it for UConn. Is there a freshman that did that that I'm just not thinking of because it's the one and done era AD? where you have that opportunity. Yeah, but even then, that team was stacked. It was stacked, but they were pretty much all freshmen. Hey, hey, right, but the but freshmen led the way. Yeah, and and I know you had McNamara and Warwick on and that And then squad. Duke with Jaleel Okafor. Yeah, that's true. That's, yeah. Well, I mean, Tyus Jones, he won the MOP that year. He did, but Okafor was the driving force of that team. Yeah, so real quickly, Furman is going up now. They are Woo! up on Virginia. ACC, come on now. Four is the score the of The Florida that. runs. Matchup back to back. It is. I think they overload. are the most underrated team of all time. To go back to back, first of all, it doesn't happen often. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they're the last team to do it, and they hardly get talked about. And that was a great team. They had everything you could want when you talk NBA talent, guys that went to the NBA and put in work, and then were back to back champions. That Florida team was awesome. There's no doubt. And the fact that they did it against UCLA, Ohio State, two 
two other good teams. Greg Oden was trying to do that with Mike Conley, put yeah. the team on his back, and uh, that was just shortly after Mello was able to do that. Uh, Stanford P said best March Madness moment is Sister Jean and Loyola. That was awesome. Sister Jean still going at it with the NCAA, maybe the postseason appearances <laughs> that they'll have every once in a while. And then, yeah, Chef Chad, he also wrote Carmelo. You had something else you wanted to say? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's just it's so many great moments. And even though the Fab Five never won, because if that leads us into worse moments, definitely the Chris Webber timeout is number one. <laughs> uh, with a, Revolving uh, around the Tar Heels. Uh, yeah, man, definitely. That, that was really bad. But just watching that team uh, was unbelievable. I mean, watching UNLV way back in the day, that was um, that was cool to watch them. But I wasn't quite into basketball as much when they won their first title. And then you talk about some of the individual plays. I mean, who can forget the Grand Hill alley-oop when he had to reach back into another arena, uh, it felt like, to get the ball and dunk that in. So, uh, you know, those are some of the moments that you think of. But my worst moment, for sure, like I said, would be the Chris Webber timeout against Carolina. All right, let's go to some pressure points with some of the ACC teams. I, I know Kevin Keats. It's been a little polarizing for him this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, they get to the NCAA tournament. Somebody got mad at me on the text line for saying they were one of the last teams in. That's just a fact. NC State, one of the last teams in, 11 seed. Pittsburgh, 11 seed, and they were in a play-in game. Yeah. It just goes to show the lack of respect for the ACC this year. But with NC State, they get in. They have a Creighton matchup. Creighton has been very good this season. And so... When you look at NC State and Kevin Keats, how much pressure is on the shoulders of their head coach going into this tournament run? Well, we talked about earlier this season with guess how uh, Joe Ovius said how the fan base, kind of no matter what he did, they were in their feelings about what they felt about him and that there wasn't much he was going to be able to do about it. But then NC State goes on a great run, but then they have some puzzling losses down the stretch when you talk about losing to Clemson. And then you get to the ACC tournament where uh, Hope springs, and then they get in there and get drilled by Clemson again. And so I think that for Kevin Keats right now, even though he's my guy, but I think that at this point, this NC State fan base wants to see some type of progress in the tournament. This is the best team, in my opinion, that they've had uh, during his tenure there, or at least the most talented when you talk about having a big three in D.J. Burns Jr. to Quavion Smith and Jarkill Joyner. And I think State fans want to at least see them at least, I would say at a minimum, get to a second game. But I think if they get wiped out in the first game, he could be the next uh, the next ACC coach to go because I think the NC State fans want to see more progress. And I think the way NC State kind of faltered down the stretch, losing to Duke, getting blown out by Clemson, getting blown out by Clemson again in the tournament, I don't think that sits well with them. I don't think he'll get fired, though. I mean, I think if even if you lose, I guess if you, even if you get destroyed, I don't think Keats is going to get fired. Do you think that he will get fired if he loses to Creighton? I think there's a strong possibility. Like I said, I think he came into this season coaching for his job, and I think that he was able to muster some goodwill with the way that they played at time. But I think just down the stretch, like I said, losing to Duke on the road, right. which is no shame in that, but the two 20-plus point losses to the Clemson Tigers, especially – it has to hurt even more. You talk about sticking the knife in and twisting it. When you talk about them losing to uh, losing in the NIT on their home floor now, 
and you got beat by 20-plus by that team, I think you need to get into the tournament. I think a Sweet 16 appearance definitely locks him into that job. But I think if they get smashed in the first game by Creighton, I think it is a strong possibility that NC State may be looking to make a change. All right, so Virginia is down right now against Furman as they continue to make a run. Virginia losing 57-54 with Furman on top. Let's go straight to them as far as the pressure points go. How would you view that program? Look, Tony Bennett is not getting fired. They're just not going to do that for a guy that won a championship no. in 2019. So what kind of, like, when people talk about pressure, usually people will go to, is he going to be fired or not? And I think that's the first thing you go to. But there are also other pressure points, right? Like just how much you view Tony Bennett mm -hmm. in the pantheon of ACC greats, what he's been able to accomplish. Yeah. The great regular seasons, you still have a great one with a four seed attached to your name. That's still a pretty good season for a Virginia program. Mm -hmm. But if they get bounced, especially after the UMBC disaster of a game as the 116 upset, just how, how are you viewing Virginia if they lose this game to Furman? Man, uh, that, that's a very complicated <laughs> legacy uh, when you talk about it. Because when you talk about his time in Virginia, came in at 09, uh, multiple tournament appearances. But I think if, he, if he's not fired, which I don't think so either, but I think that one of the phrases I like to use, you start looking at Tony B with the side eye just a little bit. Because this is a guy that they've missed the tournament in two of the last four years. And then you talk about uh, just the fact that they've had multiple seasons where they've been high seeds and disappointed and bowed out early. You've got the national championship there. But I think if they lose this game in the first round, I think the seat will start to warm up just a little bit. Now, he's got a lot more cachet to be able to, uh, to buy. But... I think that, you know, this would not look good for him and his legacy at Virginia. And I think Virginia, I think you will start to hear a little bit of the whispers. Yeah, I don't think you're getting of firing him. If you think about what that program was before he arrived, at least in somewhat the recent history, it's not like this team always gets bounced in the first round. They did have the regional semifinal they reached in 2013-2014. They did have the third round in 2014-2015. You do have the championship to cure all of that whisper that you're talking about, right? Two first-round losses, the one in 2020-2021, maybe that could come here. I totally get it. At the same time, I don't think there's anything like that. I kind of view the pressure as far as where we put him in the pantheon of ACC coaches within the last 5, 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. right? Like, especially with him trying to build his career more so when we talk about the Hall of Fame cases with him – being he'll never be alongside like Roy Williams unless he wins a couple more championships, but you know not there right now. And not I'm sorry, the, the tournament K. was canceled in 2019, so right. that is my mistake. Right, and and so you had that go on, but the, it, they've certainly had a couple down years as they start to to load up again. Yeah. So we'll see. I'll tell you this, I, I kind of flirted with the idea if we go to the Midwest region, I flirted with the idea about like those whispers you were talking about with Tony Bennett, mm -hmm. kind of applying them to Jim Laranega for a little while. Mm -hmm. And not until the last couple of seasons where Miami has had success in the NCAA tournament. Last year, yeah. you look at the season they've had this season, it was, it was awesome. But there was a little while ever since that he had the Shane Larkin, Kaji, Reggie Johnson, Durant Scott team 
it had been a little while before you felt really good about them, but I think he's gotten right back on track. I'm sorry, Jim L., okay? I took the L when flirting with the idea of firing you down in Coral Gables, and I don't think there's really much pressure for them, especially with a, with a injury that they've suffered um, to Ormir, and we don't know if he's going to come back. Like, I don't, if you talk about just the least amount of pressure, I think Jim L., just because of expectations, because of what they accomplished last year in the tournament, least amount of pressure among any ACC coaches that you're going to be talking about right now. I could agree with that to an extent. Now, what you don't want to see if you're Miami is for you to suffer that 12-5 fate uh, because this is a Miami team that, like I said, defensively they may not be stalwarts, and like you said, the Omer injury is one to watch. But when you talk about just what they have uh, offensively with Nigel Pack and Jordan Miller and uh, Isaiah Wong and those guys, this is a pretty potent uh, offensive team and another guy and also one of the best names in college basketball, Wuga Poplar. Uh, also is a guy that can get you buckets on the offensive end. Yeah. So I think this is a potent Miami team. I think the uh, the floor for this team is the Sweet 16. And I think if this team doesn't make the Sweet 16, wow. then it is a, uh, a disappointment for them. Uh, like I said, now Indiana, if they beat Kent State, would be a formidable matchup for them. But I think the word of this Miami team, I think they're really good. And so, I, you know, I think that the, the Sweet 16 should be uh, the floor for this squad with the amount of talent that you have because you have you have a mix there that you don't really get to see in college basketball a lot these days with veteran, uh, multiple veteran scorers and, um, you know, guys that can get the job done. So I, I like this Miami team. And hopefully Omir has had some time to rest and get that ankle right. Yeah, and I don't I don't know how much pressure as far as the if we just do the firing thing. John Shire's not about to get fired in his first not season. We can talk about the kind of grade he deserves for his first mm-hmm. year. Overall, it's been very good. A lot of people are also discussing how they were very, uh, underseated, that they should have been either a four or maybe even a three, but certainly a four because of the way they performed against Virginia in the ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. Tough first-round matchup against Oral Roberts. We'll see what happens there. But I do expect Duke to go on a run in the NCAA tournament. Real quickly, we have 47 seconds left to go. Maryland is up 66-63 to against West Virginia. You have a 63-60 to game right now between Furman and Virginia. Furman on top of Virginia, 63-60. to Two and a half minutes left. You are hearing interesting sounds from West Bryant <laughs> as I continue to try to update you on the tournament. We'll take a break. We'll come back um, right after the the Fitty Flash, the last one of the day. What you got for us, Fitty, over there at the Planet Kia Studios? Well, we're going to keep it with the NCAA tournament. Mizzou up by four at the half. And Kansas right now up by two over Howard. And I don't know if you saw this or not, but Bill Self not coaching in today's game. Of course, he missed coaching in the Big 12 tournament altogether. If he cannot go and coach for the rest of this tournament, how does that impact Kansas' chances to repeat as national champs? They it, won't. You don't think it does? No, I said they won't. They okay. won't repeat. Yeah, I, I think especially in the second round, you have Arkansas, a great coach in Eric Musselman. If you get past that point, the likely matchups would be against a team like UConn or St. Mary's, both formidable opponents. And then you talk about the Elite Eight either featuring a UCLA team possibly, even though they're hurt. But Gonzaga, Mark Few, is a fantastic coach. We've seen him in the championship game a couple times. Yeah, I think it would greatly impact Kansas' chances to get back to the national championship game. One more segment to go here at the Carolina Ale. Sports Radio 92.7. It's Wesson Walker, WFNZ.
getting a little mad in here at the Carolina Alehouse close to Concord Mills. We just had a three-point heave attempted by West Virginia. They lose to Maryland. The shot is no good, 67-65. to The eight seed moves on to battle the winner, Alabama versus Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. We also have the second game that tipped off today going down to the wire. Virginia up three against Furman, 66-63 to in that 4-13 matchup. Virginia fans are stressed. I think everybody's stressed. We have 27 seconds left to go. We're going to get a countdown here as soon as this game is underway, uh, or at least the uh, the last 27 seconds, we will update you on what happens. Furman has gone scoreless in the last two minutes and five seconds, so March Madness already up and popping here, Wes. It's actually absolutely yeah. This been, is exactly fun. what you want, and you've getting you're getting the early drama. He just put the big shot up that Virginia has gotten a rebound. Kihei Clark, so hopefully he can make these shots because he doesn't make many other shots. Wow, uh, for the Virginia Cavaliers. Kihei, okay. So, Kihei. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was a. I definitely thought he was a no-show in the ACC championship game well, uh, was, against yeah. Duke. But, uh, yeah, like I said, you're getting some early drama. You just had the West Virginia-Maryland game uh, going ham. So this tournament is already, we aren't even three hours in, and it's already living up to the hype. The March Madness has begun. Like um, they said on Mortal Kombat, the movie, it has begun. My, We played, <laughs> we, we did the segment, read my girlfriend's text on air last week when mm. I was afraid to go home because yeah. of something that happened. Well, she is actually a Virginia yeah. And so I'm going to read with, you know, dodging some FCC violations here. I'm going to read some of the text that she just sent me. Yeah. I'm going to lose my mother bleeping bleep. Okay. <laughs> so that's something that happened. Going to go to therapy and try to pry myself away from being a dedicated UVA basketball fan. I can't do this bleep anymore. I like that. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not gonna lie. That, that's a great she girlfriend. Is, she's is not she the same way with football. Um, no, Virginia. Well, she went to Virginia, so it's not like she can get that crazy about Virginia football because yeah. it's not like they've been phenomenal. So basketball. Well, they went to the ACC championship game a couple of years ago. Well, no, she's not that mad about it. Furman just hit a free throw, by the way. I, I'm trying to walk the line of play-by-play -play to avoid another violation, <laughs> as well as just updating you on everything did happening. Did she go? Did she go to that game? Yes, she did. Okay. I'm, so, I'm, so here's here's another story. It was bad. Though. She hates Carolina. Now, I like the, them more already. Well, the reason that she hates Carolina is because as she was leaving, right? You have to remember, North Carolina just got done getting that victory against Lipscomb, and she said as she was leaving, the worst people to her were Carolina fans. You hear the background noise? It's happening. Oh my gosh! Wow! You guys can hear it right now. The madness has begun tony bennett oh my goodness so just i felt like a play-by-play -play announcer letting the moment <laughs> breathe virginia is now down 68 to 67 Two after the paladins to go after the paladins hit a three-pointer an awful what turnover a stupid pass is that kihei no it wasn't i'm <laughs> That's what, yeah, it was. It was Kihei Clark. Lord Kihei Clark. It's time for you to move on, son. You've been there eight years. It's time to go. Okay. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is not great for me going back home. 
having to deal with uh, someone that went to Virginia. And uh, he got the shot hit in his face. Your girl, man, you might go home and the place might be, it might look like somebody ransacked it. Um, I don't want any physical harm my way either. 68-67, Furman's <laughs> on top. So we have 2.2 seconds left. Let's go ahead and just do one on this day in sports history, and then we'll kind of go to a break in the action if something happens here. But I don't want to go and wait any longer. What you got for us, Fiddy? Well, since we're on the eve of an upset, uh, an upset happened on this day back in 2012. C.J. McCollum scored 30 points, and in, in the 15-seeded Lehigh upset Duke 75 to 70 in the South Region to become the second uh, 15 seed to win on the day. As earlier that day, a 15 seed Norfolk State upset Missouri. Here's what it sounded like. And what you have here, folks, one of the all-time shockers. Lehigh defeats Duke in the NCAA basketball tournament. Wow. Yeah, that was a bad one. Fiddy, I didn't know if you're going to toss it to us. You usually do. C.J. McCollum did beat Duke in that 15-2 matchup, and now here you have Furman pulling off the upset. A 13 seed beats the 4 seed, 68-67. Furman moving on in the there NCAA tournament. There was a praying uh, that they showed. Looked like she was deep in prayer. Do you ever bring God into it when you're watching sports and pray? That's a conversation I'm interested in having. <laughs> no, I don't bring God. I do not bring God into it. I do not do that as well. Uh, but with uh, Virginia losing, I'm sure there's a lot of Cavaliers fans that are not too happy as they lose. Now, half-court heave, you have that not even quite at half court it was close man back iron in case you missed it i know a few people were ahead of us watching television but here is uh, virginia suffering another first round upset i thought virginia was going to win it's an they awful turn out it's an yeah they yeah they did it's an awful uh, turnover by kihei clark and they lose what does this mean as we were kind of talking about the pressure surrounding virginia uh i mean like i said i think we're sitting on the couch i'm starting to think about dinner and I'm going to go turn the oven on. And I think that's where we're at with Tony Bennett. Maybe not a 450, but maybe we're talking a slow roast, about 200, 250. Okay. Going to slow roast some ribs. Virginia style. <laughs> I am all over the place just trying to figure out what's going on. 2012, Fiddy, I know you got one more on this day in sports history for us. What was that last one that you wanted to remind us of? No, no, I, I referenced it. I, I had the Kyle O'Quinn, that upset of Norfolk State over Missouri, 86-84 to 84 in, the rest, in the West region. Also in 2008, in the 55th ACC tournament, the number one seed North Carolina beat Clemson 86-81. to 81. All right, there you go. So those are a couple of the things that happened on this day in sports history. And then maybe in the future, we'll go back to this day, March 16th, 2023 in sports history and reference the Furman upset against Virginia after the Kihei Clark turnover. That'll do it for Wesson Walker here live at the Carolina Ale House, close to Concord Mills. Come hang out with us. Do the Steve Bartman thing, too, by the way. Put in the headphones, listen to the Kyle Bailey show alongside Smoke Ludwig, and we can also hang out and watch some NCAA tournament basketball. We'll be here for a little bit longer. Fitty, Flounder, they're going to be coming up and hanging out as well. It's the Kyle Bailey show up next. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.